12th Street Sound is the name of the recording studio where I've made a lot of my recent music. Anthony Centerini is the man there. 12th Street Sound is located in New Westminster, just a short walk from where I live. You should get down there, meet him, record some music there, get some mixing done on your next project, or do a full production with Anthony. He'd love to work with you. He's looking forward to hearing from you. And as a listener of this show, he'll give you a great deal. So go to 12thstreet.ca slash RCP to learn more about 12th Street Sound. That's 12thst.ca slash RCP. Hello and welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast. I'm your host, Will Chernoff, and I have an exciting new episode for you today. I want to thank everybody who's been listening to the show. I've been announcing things about it on social media. If you don't know, I am going to put this show on hiatus at some point this year. I'll tell you more about that as I learn more. But until then, I'm going to enjoy every episode like it's my last. So if you want to do that too, I've got an exciting new episode for you up next. Our guest today is a vocalist, keyboardist, and songwriter who released the project as only a visitor called Decay on February 24th, 2023, featuring Emma Postal on vocals, Selena Kurtz also on vocals, Jeff Gammon on bass, Kevin Romaine on drums, and herself on vocals and keys. It's available digitally and on CD, cassette, and vinyl via Mint Records right now. They played their release show pretty recently on March 3rd. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Robin Jacob. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for coming out here. I'm really glad this worked. I know you've got a lot going on at home and outside the home, so I (laughs) appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, of course. Yeah, how are you feeling today? Um, pretty good. Yeah, I'm on. It's spring break, which it doesn't mean a lot to me, but because I also teach music uh, to mostly school age kids, I have a couple of weeks of less work, which is uh, great, and also. I don't know. It's nice to be working. So it's kind of like, oh, what, I, what do I do with this little bit of extra time? Yeah. So is your teaching, is it a lessons teaching type of thing or is it more of a classroom type yeah, of thing? Yeah. I'd say like an after school, one-on-one kind of mostly piano. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something that you've always done a lot of is teaching piano or perhaps vocals yeah. as well? Yeah. Uh, I did teach voice for a very short time and then I stopped teaching voice because I'm not technically trained so I wanted to make sure I wasn't giving anyone like bad habits but um but yeah I've been teaching piano since I was like 15. <laughs> okay yeah yeah so you do have that that's where you have the the heftiest amount of training in terms of your own for sure background. yeah for sure I've been playing piano since I was a little kid and then I studied I did a degree in music at UBC in like in a general studies program but with a focus on piano and uh and yeah and for a lot of years uh with only a visitor too i was sort of funding a lot of my activities with teaching money (laughs) right yeah pretty common arrangement yeah (laughs) (laughs) there's all kinds of different sides of the music school experience and it's a very common topic it's a it's a chestnut of this show for sure to hear other people's kind of reactions to participating in a program like that and there's tough things right and there's things that you look back on that are less than ideal but then, you know, there's good things that you get out of it, too, of course, that we all have made friends there and, and things like that. So for UBC, specifically for you, I guess, because that's an interesting one. I don't have too many UBC music people on. I've had, obviously, a lot of CAP people on, maybe some VCC now as well, and people from other parts of the country, et cetera, right? But, like, thinking back to when you were at UBC, like, what were some of the best things that you feel like you got out of it, if you look back on it now? 
Yeah, it's a lot, actually. I have a lot, I have a lot of opinions on <laughs> my <I> time <laughs> at UBC. I went into school there straight out of high school, um, which I don't really regret, but I mean, I was really young and I didn't really have a lot of experience. And I think going to post-secondary with such limited experience really shapes how you go through the school. Because now that I have all of this experience since I graduated, if I were to go back to school now, I would have approached it in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, at that point, I didn't even really know what I liked. Like, Who I does? can't even imagine knowing, <laughs> like, not knowing what I liked. It was just so weird it, thinking about that now because now I'm like so passionate about specific things. So, um, you know, there were challenges to do with that and I think also with the conservatory format and and in a lot of ways I think UBC has a lot of uh, growing up to do um, in terms of the culture Um, but I I had a lot of really amazing experiences there too and I think um, working with the Gamelon Ensemble and Michael Tenzer who's still teaching there that was really influential for me Um, working with uh, a few of the professors in the composition department was really great. Um, but also uh, getting involved with the radio station. That really changed everything because it was only through that that I really found a connection to the music community in Vancouver. It wasn't so much through the school, which is which seems really weird to say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, there's got to be a link to the real world, right? I mean, the school can try and do that, but it's never going to be great at it in, compared to other things because it's just not designed to do that, right? Which seems very strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? why is it there if it's not there to... Well, okay, maybe it's also there's like different silos within the music community in town, right? So there's like the orchestral, classical gamut, and then there's sort of like the new music, folks and then there's the um kind of jazz improv creative what they call creative music side and then there's like the diy there's so many different i feel like they don't often speak to each other so i think maybe that was part of it um but yeah so it was only through the radio station that i was like meeting musicians that were you know that are seen all over town and then i was able to sort of make some connections through that yeah, because so, yeah. you have to have an excuse to to feel comfortable to, to speak to some of these people for the first time, right? Because it's like, it's the thing that I can't remember who built this analogy for me, but I've I've liked to think of it this way since. It's like if there's a neighborhood cafe or something, whether it's a Starbucks or an actual independent cafe, if you just go there for the first time, you just pop in there once because you need to stop and get a coffee. Like there's going to be people there probably who go there all the time, but you're not going to know who they are and you're not going to have any reason to talk to them. Right. But if you go there 10 times, then it's like at some point you're going to notice something, right? Like you're going to see who the other people are who have also been there 10 times. And then maybe that's enough of an excuse that you can talk to people. And you probably feel this, this, that's one of the great things at like any music gig, right? Like no matter what genre you play, if you go to a lot of gigs in a community, you'll see the, some of the same people and, and then you'll become friends, right? Like it's just kind of, it breeds that, right? So that's like a, a tough thing to, to get a sense of what's going on in the city in the real world while you're at school, right? Because you get that with all the people who you're going to school with, but you don't with everybody else, right? 
Yeah, I think so. And I think having, yeah, having this excuse of having a radio show <laughs> was like, hey, now I can, you know, people that you admire, or whatever, they're on stage and you're like this little nerdy kid in the audience and you're like, oh my gosh, I can actually say hi because I can be like, come, come talk on my radio show. Like, I think that was a big one for me. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, this is very meta, right? Because I've heard only visitor play live three or four times. I've never met you, and oh, yeah. you came out here, and and now now we're meeting for the first right? time because of something that's exactly the same sort of yeah. circumstances, right? So proven true, right now, QED, <laughs> done. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> so how was your show on March third? I couldn't be there. Um, how'd it go? It was awesome. Yeah, you know, actually, the, the energy was really great. It was like it really warmed my heart. I think um, Troll Dolly opened the night. Uh, with a full band and her project is just so gorgeous like I was telling someone earlier I think I could listen to the fade in on her record like over and over again it's so <laughs> well produced um, and the songwriting is really interesting um, and then Buddy played and and Buddy that set just brought me back to playing in um, in my high school band the Tangerines which was uh, my friend's band Um at like the youth center in high school nice. and all these things. It was just like, so I don't know. It had this like really nostalgic vibe. Um, and yeah, it was, it was great. It's nice to play at like a DIY venue. The sound was really good. It just felt like, you know, all your buds are there. It's great. It was really nice. Yeah. And we, we don't play very often um, because it's kind of just like hard to get together. Uh, everyone's so busy. So, yeah, it was really, it was like a little party. <laughs> Is everybody even local to Metro Vancouver anymore? Among the yeah, now years? they are. Oh, now they are. They are. Okay, yeah. yeah, there was a time where where Selena and Emma both lived on Vancouver Island, um, right. and so whenever we got together to play, it would it would have to be worth it. Like it had to be, you know. And even now, like we can't just play like every few weeks because it's just everyone's so busy, um, and it's like. It's actually quite hard to even just schedule rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So we kind of made up this thing uh, at our show, which was like our encore, which I have opinions about encores. That's sort of an aside, but I think they're dumb. Anyway, <laughs> sometimes we do encores. And uh, the I think this tradition that's sort of slowly shaping together is that we, we play something we just didn't rehearse. <laughs> yeah. And it's like kind of fun, keeps us on our toes. <laughs> So I heard you at Ironworks in 2022. Did you do that there? Um, Probably. We may have played whatever we played in Encore. We may have practiced it. But even that show, like we hadn't played together for probably, you know, months, like four months plus. And we rehearsed once. Like you hadn't played together in at four all. months? At all, including rehearsals. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. then we just rehearsed one time. I'm pretty sure we just did one rehearsal before that show. I wow. managed to sne sneak in two rehearsals before our album release. But yeah, it's really hard to get together. <laughs> yeah. What's what's the magic number where it gets hard? I mean, four, a lot of people do four. Is it is it five? Is it right where you are? Once you get to five people, I, five plus, then it gets hard? Yeah, I would I would say, I would, I would guess something like that. I mean, I don't have a lot of experience with like a trio or anything. I play in a duo with Elisa Thorne, who's a harp player. The Giving Shapes. Yeah, yeah. And so that's easy. We're both busy, but with similar schedules, we both have you know similar careers so like we're like mostly free during the day because we teach music after school like it's very similar 
Um, whereas like in, in only a visitor, um, one of our members is, um, a full-time nurse. Um, and then, uh, Kevin and Jeff are often, um, they're gigging a lot too. So things book up. So yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely feel like I really admire, um, people who have solo projects because I'm like, wow, you can do everything. Like you can just say yes to all the you can really do a lot when it's just you it's way cheaper but like literally I, performing solo not even just leading yeah band. yeah just yeah and i just uh i'm just mostly very uninterested in playing solo although i recently did um a little bit of music playing piano like a real piano and just singing um out of vancouver uh sorry music on maine uh winter solstice show and i was thinking like oh this is actually really fun in this particular setting um but yeah mostly i just would rather not play solo yeah yeah i mean fair enough i certainly if you play something like bass or drums you 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 don't even have to entertain the question because it's just not going to happen right but if you're a pianist and a vocalist it'll come up because there's a lot of people like that who play solo and do it really well right so you got to make a choice yeah although i i think yeah the reason why i don't like playing solo is because i don't love i actually don't really love demanding everyone's attention all the time like but, specifically towards yourself as opposed to the exactly. ensemble and music yeah, and stuff. yeah exactly and then like because only a visitor is really so much about playing live together like a lot of our energy comes from the interplay between the musicians i feel like that makes it a lot easier um well it just makes it different and more fun in a different way yeah yeah it's like all about ensemble and live music rather than like um listen to what i think about life or whatever you know i don't know it seems like different yeah different and you're presenting a unique lineup with only visitor, of course, too, right? Because the the whole thing about the three vocals and the the piano trio kind of rhythm section and how the the vocals really drive every arrangement and there's so much vocal harmony and it's that really distinctive sound, right? So it seems like you've really crafted that in a way that accomplishes this thing of not putting the spotlight too much on yourself, even though you wrote every song and you have a, a really strong role at the foundation of it, you've, it seems like you've really thought about that and you've delivered it that way, you know? Yeah, it's definitely very much like the band makeup is definitely a big part of the, the whole point of the band. <laughs> yeah. 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 Did it evolve into that very specific lineup from something else that you started with like three albums ago or three projects ago and several years, right? Like oh, yeah. it's, it's a long running ensemble now, but did it, did it come to you in this lineup and with this kind of three-part thing being such a big factor in it? Yeah, it kind of slowly, it slowly morphed into this. So I was playing solo for a while and then... <laughs> Darn, um, we were just talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, and I was just like, why, why is this? I don't know. I think I started becoming very interested in acapella vocal stuff in general. Um, and so I tried putting together a vocal quartet and which was you know very much like it was just like it was just only a visitor but acapella and maybe weirder and very shaky and not very good <laughs> so was it was it the same three of you plus somebody else it was four it was people? a bunch of different friends people? kind of different people yeah. yeah and um and yeah it was go. we were practicing for a while and it was like it was hard um and eventually i think 
I think, do you know Winston Minkler? Oh, yeah. So I don't know how, I don't know when it, when this happened, but I remember emailing Winston and was like, I'm looking for vocalists. Like, do you know any? And Winston was like, oh, I know Emma. And so I emailed Emma Postal and I just was like, do you want to be part of this project? Like, it would be fun and we'll, we probably won't make any money, but like we could probably get pizza after from like whatever we make from the show. And Emma was like, I also know Selena. Selena might be interested in this. And then uh, Sarah Kim for a while was also involved. And then my friend Lindy Gray was also involved for a while. We, at one point, yeah, we had four vocalists for a while. Wow. And then through all those folks met Jeff. Um, I knew Kevin already through other bands stuff. Um, yeah. And so that's sort of how it came about. Yeah. Okay. So it really did have that sound from the beginning. It's not like you added other vocals to, to complete something after you already started with like three or four people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Voice was central from the beginning, I would say. And I, I, I thought about it as like replacing the guitars with voice for a long time and then now i just i'm like oh yeah i used to say that all the time and now i'm like it's just i just write for voice or like write songs and then i arrange for voices so yeah and try to do like interesting things with the arrangements yeah because there's so many different kind of background vocal things that you drop from song to song and it doesn't matter whether it's like a more ballad song or or something that's more stripped down or slower or both I mean, you're 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 filling those with harmonies all across your album on the slower tracks, right? Like one of my favorite tracks is "I Am at Ease," right? Like that that was one of the ones that I felt had the biggest impact on me, both live and on the album, right? So I mean, that of the slower songs, there there's there's so much harmony in there too. But yeah. on the faster ones, there is as well. They just do different things, and there's there's more rhythm involved, right? Yeah, I think I think it's like the new record especially has a lot more slower meditative feel on it yeah. and which is not really uh <clears throat> it's not very it's not what we us- usually do usually it's like very energetic and so i found even some of the newer songs kind of harder to perform because it's such a different pocket to sit in um but that song actually that you mentioned is about the mk ultra experiments um, I remember you mentioning that on stage yeah. at Ironworks. Yeah, and I actually mentioned it uh, at this concert that I did where I sang that one without the band, actually. I kind of rearranged it for a few other musicians um, just for this one concert. And um, yes, yeah, someone came up to me after the show and was like, this song, I, I'm like one of those people. And she was so moved. And she basically said like like her whole life she felt like no one really believed that that was a, even a real thing that happened. So wow. yeah, I can't even imagine what that must feel like. Um so yeah, I was like, "Whoa." <laughs> what do you even say to that person at that time? That's I so well, I don't know. She was kind of just like felt really um moved that someone would acknowledge the story and try to relate through art. And like try to understand it yeah exactly and i was like whoa that's cool like i i guess that's sort of what i'm i mean just that the whole concept is so absurd and and just outrageous um and yeah but i never expected to like meet somebody <laughs> yeah who was directly affected so yeah you never know what's going to happen when you start putting stuff out there when it when it reaches the 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 person who's listening you know you get to meet 
somebody and and it's like you're at, it's like you're going to the cafe for the 10th time you you skip everything if you like if you make honest music and you present it in certain contexts and stuff you just have a direct line to those people right and they they feel like they want to come up to you and say that instead of being too shy to do it right because you gave them something mm-hmm. yeah exactly it's it's really rewarding it makes it feel like because the whole point is that you i well okay there's there's a couple things at play like i make whatever i make because I need I, I need to. <laughs> Otherwise, I would like, I don't know. It's just this like, it's almost like a, a something that I just have to do. Um, and then I hope that I can like release it and, and give it to somebody to like is who is open to receive it and also needs to receive it, you know? And so it's really rewarding when that happens because then it's like, oh, okay, good, it's working. <laughs> it's like not just like me, 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 you know? Like that's sort of not, that's not what I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People actually need a lot of kind of feedback and reinforcement that that things are working, right? Maybe more than you'd expect because it doesn't just come automatically. It comes from like the special occasions, right? So we'll go with like, long periods of time where maybe we don't have as much of that as you'd like, right? Yeah, and it's sort of always there's this, like, what is the point kind of thing? Because the the music industry is, like, so disgusting, <laughs> so <laughs> broken. Um, and and in some ways, I was actually chatting with Buddy and, and Troll Dolly, who played the release show with me. I was talking to them about this, um, is, like, like, how do you even do it without having some level of privilege right like like for example putting on our release show uh at the we you know we had a really good turnout and it was like super fun and at the end of the day um and like you know the venue is not like an expensive venue and they're not like ripping us off or anything they're great um and but still at the end of the day like every band made like a hundred and some dollars like and it's like how are you even every band yeah like not once every musician we split it all no 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 once we split it all up right and it's just kind of like it's like okay so how are you doing this <laughs> like how are you yeah, i was just asking them like how do you guys pay your bands you know because you were asking the, the people at the venue uh i was asking the other bands that oh, that played the show right. i was just like yeah. just like you know after the show like yeah that was fun it was a nice time but also just like so where are you guys at with paying your bands right because like like i said earlier when i started only a visitor it was like we're not going to make any money we'll get pizza after like that's sort of the idea and they bought in on that because they your did friends. <laughs> and and because it, it was fun and you know and at that point we were quite young <laughs> compared to now and so you know because this is like 2015 when our first album together came out and um so but now you know that's not oh i always pay them like a couple hundred bucks a a gig because it's just it wouldn't be sustainable otherwise this many years down the line and like you know we should all be able to oh okay so thank you now now i see what what the the interest specifically of your discussion was with like the uh, the other band leaders or the other leaders of the ensemble you're asked you're you're coming at it and if i if i get it right you're you're under what i understand from what you're saying is like you are interested to know for them like you you've made this decision to try and do the the best do right by your your band members in the best way you know how and you were wondering what they had thought about in terms of that yeah i was just wondering like where they where are they at how are they pulling it off right because it's like for example troll dolly plays a lot of shows and um i know like a couple 
people that play in her band you know they're really good musicians and they gig all the time so I'm just like so how do you work that out and basically it's like yeah the the band leaders often sort of just like go out of their own pocket to like make sure their bandmates are are okay and then you know buddy was saying like yeah we're all just like we all pool our like it's a group project we pool everything together and like it's maybe a little different because only visitors like very much my project it's like it's not like you know it's not like collectively led for example but um anyway I was just thinking you know you have to be so privileged to like have a project like that in in a lot of ways so so it really makes me think a lot about that I don't know where I started because you have to have like some way to get access to the people to have them to buy in with you on it whether it was you being friends when you were young or you doing right by them even if you're losing money like exactly you have to be able to do that yeah and be able to use something it's it's tricky yeah yeah and um i mean only a visitor is not like the most successful project like it's like people some people really like it and i really like it yeah i think it's good (laughs) and i'm happy with that i feel like it's it's just like very satisfying and that's sort of what drives it but but it's not like yeah i think for we really depend on like festival gigs and stuff like that to Mm -hmm. like actually do anything so so right now we're trying to get festivals going for the summer and trying to do, you know, see if we can do any touring or something. And it's like, yeah, it has to be so strategic. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've, you didn't ask for any of them, but I've got a couple of examples from my own recent time that I could enter into the record on the same subject. Just so it's not, if, if you would, if you would like it and to, to not be just you, yeah, I love the honesty that you're bringing here too. But if you're interested, I I've got some relevant things that I thought of that have happened to me recently yeah, yeah, yeah. that I could relate. Yeah. So I guess, first of all, uh, in brief, I'm, I'm one of those disgusting industry people. I'm a label manager, right? Like I, I, it is this, and that this discussion, this topic does not go away. The further you, as in the non-commercial kind of music genres that we've spent our time in, like for me, it's jazz or folk, right? Um, mostly jazz. Uh, it doesn't matter how high up you go in that genre. This conversation is always there. <laughs> you well, don't actually, grow just out of just it. to to go off of what <laughs> yeah. you're saying, like um, like I'm we're working with Mint Records for this yeah. particular record, and they have been nothing but uh, supportive, like so so amazing. Um, uh, and so you know that aside it's almost just like the industry is is broken but it's not it's not like you know before there'd be like the label sharks right I, I feel like that's done like that's not really a thing anymore now it's like now it's just revenue sources it's like where are they and how do you access them yeah um and we all know with the issues with streaming and paying royalties and or whatever artists get no money from streaming really and then having to like pay to get your track on like playlists or something like there's a whole weird thing that you can do um but i just feel like the yeah i feel like you can make money maybe on merch at shows if you're on the road all the time but i was even talking to somebody who tours with like a bigger canadian artist um like super popular artist i just don't want to mention them because i don't know if this was like information given to me like in confidence so i'm not gonna mention who it was but a super successful tour like big venues that are full and um you know still came out like losing money yeah exactly it doesn't it doesn't go away like the further the further off you go this the same the same discussions the same issues that people are sweating over yeah for sure yeah yeah it's crazy <laughs> like how yeah yeah i mean there's and then the position of of some of mint records or the label that i work for etc it is that uh 
the the values in the merch because that's why your album is available on three different physical formats right that they're selling through your Bandcamp and that they're selling on their own website and they'll they'll have their own bet that they're making about how they're going to put that out right mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that i end up thinking about too so that's that's got to be a piece of it because you could do really well there if everything goes right and then it's just like well how do we get the most chances to get the most out of that merch selling right so yeah and i kind of think about like where's the least amount of risk in in the whole industry ecosystem like if you like who's never who's never not getting paid and i'm thinking like i don't really know but i feel like there are there are like sort of tangentially related um uh things like uh for example if you like work the box office at the vogue like you get paid you're mm-hmm. not never not you're never like gonna miss a paycheck from the vote uh-huh. so like there's sort of like these supporting roles right um but like the the main product that's being sold is just like so precarious in terms of like how it all works and anyway ubi would be great <laughs> Like we can always just bring it back to UBI, maybe. But. I just, uh, I just went to. I played one gig in Nanaimo. I played about six gigs over the last couple months with my jazz trio because I put out a, an album digitally in October. And this gig in Nanaimo, uh, I lost a relatively large amount of money given given everything else that was going on. But I, I don't regret it for a second because. I got to make talking about making friends and and be, having the excuse to talk to somebody. I got to make two new friends like like that, just like nothing out of nowhere, because we booked the show based on this other young singer from from Nanaimo coming over here to play a gig, and I missed that gig, but we got in touch, and then I got interested in doing something in Nanaimo, and so so she sang with our trio at the vault in Nanaimo and brought a friend who played saxophone with us Mm -hmm. for fun. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up like doing a quintet gig featuring vocals basically uh, out of nothing, like Mm -hmm. no rehearsal or anything, just just sending over some sheet music and stuff. And it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, like there's not much else that I would rather spend some money on than Mm -hmm. than something like that, because Mm -hmm. who knows what that's going to lead to. And you don't get very many chances to just walk into something like that, right? And like, that's another side of it, right? It makes it worth it because it's it's like, okay, well, and this is sort of a, a backbone of only a visitor is like, we do stuff when it's fun. Like, yeah. And it's, it's, it has to be fun and it is so much fun <laughs> when yeah. it is. So it, it is a privilege, like, again, it brings it back to it being like a privilege to do all this stuff. Um, because it is like, yeah, if you can, you know, like I'm lucky enough to have my career pretty much fully based in music and music related things. And it's just like, I feel so lucky. Yeah. Do you think about this stuff differently? Obviously, I'm sure you do because of COVID alone and because of other things. But how much do you, th- what what do you feel differently about this subject than like, I know you toured a bunch in 2019 with yeah. Only Visitor. Like if you think about then versus now. What, oh. what are your thoughts on that? So, well, we toured in the States in 2019. We got P2 visas and like now what are they going to charge like three times that amount? And um, when you have to pay for five of them uh, plus union membership dues. And I feel like the musicians union is just not 
really what is it it doesn't really work you as talk a about the orchestral scene it's like that's what it's for right it's I guess. kind of for that yeah. yeah or people or to advocate for people to get their p2 um so i don't know if it really has to be it's like a serious investment now to yeah. go tour in the states um and i was just actually thinking about touring um I mean, I'm so glad that I had these experiences touring. Like our first tour into the States was in 2017. And it was like house shows, DIY spaces. And, you know, similar to what you just described, you make relationships with other musicians uh, where you're playing. And then, you know, when they come up here, you help them put on a show. It's just like this amazing community. Um, I don't know about that now like I think maybe I'm either just like super out of the loop or that in a combination of there being like fewer DIY spaces and places to play that are kind of like that um you're talking anywhere right like anywhere yeah some of these places you went yeah I think so and I mean these places come and go that's the nature of it and it's a sort of like accelerated in Vancouver and the lower mainland but um so I think there's a lot of reasons why it's harder now um and other than the fact that we're all busy and have like jobs and 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 need to get paid better in order to live because it's so expensive so i can't be like hey take take two and a half weeks off work uh for pizza money right because the the other people they need to be doing other things in that time yeah Yeah, like they have they have rent to pay and like whatever and so it has to really be worth it and so i'm just sort of feeling pretty dismal about touring um but also, I was looking at another artist that I really love, another Canadian artist. Uh, she posted her tour dates um, today, and I was looking at it, and it goes like Seattle, like all over America and, and Canada, and then Seattle skips Vancouver to Calgary and then back east. And I was just like, right, this this sort of another thing about living out here. It's like, you know, we live in a big city, but we live out here. Like, we're very isolated. Um and it's really hard to tour from here. Like, you know, we go to Vancouver Island, play Nanaimo and Victoria, and that's like whatever the ferry fee. And that's like not, you know, that easy to get to. And um, or we could, I don't know, where would you tour from here? You could do yeah. like interior. Well, I was, when I was in my folk band, our favorite things to do were always up and down Vancouver Island. And there were more stops given our genre and the kind of people we knew, right? Like mm-hmm. we could play in Duncan and the couch and valley area and a couple of different places we could play like further out in in souk or whatever once you get down to victoria and you know you can go up for a while like you go all the way to the top there's like the north island concert series in port hardy or whatever but there's like the mid island Mm -hmm. thing as well so the up and down the island was good to us okanagan shoe swap was good to us further beyond that you know it's only for festivals and stuff really yeah yeah and i just i i just feel like it's not really the same as if you lived in toronto and you could you know absolutely yeah just because of population and city density and stuff right like what what is accessible to you with driving or yeah yeah, is completely different and then it's just like oh well there's seattle the border is just like a huge barrier like we mentioned so yeah it just feels very isolated out here so right now i'm trying to uh in 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 outside of only a visitor i'm trying to build more connections with um musicians outside of bc um mostly in my work with uh composing because I just need to like get part of my life out of here because <laughs> it just feels very like yeah. cagey. 
without thinking, oh, I'm going to move. You know, you're thinking of other things you oh, can I do. Oh, I love before, living here. Before you had to entertain that idea, which you may, may or may not want to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's tricky. Um, I mean, I know traveling is another expense, like traveling for work and some stuff like that. But yeah, it's a balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure 2017 versus 2019 versus now very different sort of situations. Yeah, I remember because my band days were kind of 2016 to 2020. And I remember the change in that. I often have this kind of conversation now about how we the whole band was built on Facebook ads, you know, and especially in 2016, 17, you know, we could show up to any venue that we could drive to and we could we could be very confident that we could turn out 75 people at the venue because we knew how to use facebook ads oh, that's and, great. and the venues didn't right at that time um and now actually i, I rope it in with gas too because obviously the cost of gas has very visibly doubled during that time right but it's like the the cost of gas has doubled but also the cost of facebook ads has much much more than doubled uh it would be like four or five times more expensive to, to drive the same number of uh, clicks or impressions using the kind of uh, social ads that we did. If you did them now versus when we did them in 2016, 17, they were affordable enough that they worked for our tour budgets and for us to still kind of profitably do that at any venue, you know, like we, we were very comfortable with it. And if we had to do, if we use the same tactics today, uh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't feel com confident in it at all. And, you know, that's makes sense. Like, Nowadays, you can't expect to use the same tactics that you used five or six years ago. But definitely, when I look back on it, that feels really different. That's really interesting. I, I think um, it kind of makes me think a lot about how if you're a, a self-managed artist, like you you have to do all this stuff. Like, I don't know about marketing. Huh. I'm, a, I'm a composer, you <laughs> know, like I teach kids how to play music. Like marketing is just unfortunately what you need to also do well, yeah but it's like this whole other tool tool bag and I, I think it, yeah at some point i'm just like oh my god i'm just gonna stick to like doing stuff for fun because if i go i could go real deep into that side of it and then i'm just like maybe maybe ruin it for me <laughs> makes sense yeah <laughs> i mean my whole thing though my whole career has been built on the fact that i just love that stuff like for i'm i have the sick gene that makes me love it like <laughs> i get i get i get passionate about it i get mad when it's not working and i am ecstatic when it's working and so i just i really have always just lived in in that side of the equation in the the, the band that i co-founded and when i do my own stuff and in the jobs that i've had like i've always just leaned into the the back end side of the of the music world and i i personally love it and i know that not everybody does and i guess in some ways i'm happy that not everybody does because then i get to work with you mm -hmm. and and then together we can we can do things like that and there's lots of things that i don't love doing and i like it when i get to work with people who like those things see too, that's right? that's brilliant that's great you just have to work off of your strengths right yeah and i think that's so it's my passion i don't know if it's my strength yet but it's my passion well that's <laughs> enough i think that's really great like recently um a good friend asked me to do some uh potentially do some arranging on their next record and um i was just like that's what I want to do. Like, I love playing on stage and I love doing all this other stuff, but it's nice to just like be like, yeah, that's what I like doing. I'm going to, I'm going to lean into that. Yeah. So it, it's good. Yeah. When you find something, you're like, oh, I'm into this. Like marketing feels kind of like you're like, it's like a little game too, right? Like. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's like a problem that needs to be solved, right? And at the end of the day, like the the outcome of it is is so joyful. Like the outcome of it is you have a lot of people there who want to be there and you have a great time with them. Like I when I was in the band, I always said my favorite times were like before the show, intermission, after the show, right? You just go around and you work the room, right? I love that. I and I was a shy kid. And I didn't know that I loved that until I was 22 and I got put in that situation for the first time. That's and I could hilarious. feel my way through it, right? I had no idea that I was going to love that. It, it didn't draw me into being in a band or playing. But when I started doing it, I found out that that's what I loved. That's so funny. <laughs> I love that. That's really hilarious. I mean, yeah, that's that's the best person to have in the band. <laughs> oh, well, I think the best person to have in the band. I don't know. You, you've toured with this band a fair bit. So I bet you know who it could be one or more people. But my favorite person to have in the band. In my band, it was Ben playing drums. Uh, it's the 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 funny guy, the person who who keeps everybody happy and who keeps everybody from being at each other's throats. You know, that's that's my favorite person in the band. There is a lot of emotional management. Yes, there was definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone's human. Oh, uh, yeah. We're well, not, not going to blame our... anybody who causes like you're you're always going to have interactions between people who are it's the nature of being in a band. Exactly. Like, it's nobody's fault. That's how it's always going to be. You can't it's avoid a, it. It's a group project after all. But <laughs> like you were saying earlier, like you really like Jeff Gammon. I think Jeff Gammon yes. is like the rock in the band. Absolutely. Yeah. He's he's always just so even keeled. <laughs> yeah. And, he's everything and saves I'm not. the day in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's yeah. I, I i always like recount moments where i'm like forget what i'm playing entirely and i just like like ask jeff he'll know <laughs> yeah and he i like how i mean yeah he has that personality where he's so consistent and and he's just such a dependable guy right but it is interesting how on only a visitor like you get to hear him play stuff on the bass that's kind of more distinctive and that that stands out more and the he gets a lot of airtime in the arrangements, whereas most of the time I've just been used to hearing him plunk away on upright and playing with uh, the Sojourners and and stuff like that, right? But then, yeah, because I remember like I got some reps in. I don't really teach much lessons now. I've I've taught some people who I know in the in in my local community and stuff like one-off little lessons I do on my own. I've never really like taught for lesson centers and stuff. But Jeff gave me reps subbing for him at Long and Equate North Van when he was teaching there because he was touring with the Sojourners a lot. So I remember coming in there and teaching his students. And but yeah. at that time I just remember him being like the the solid upright bass player. But on Only a Visitor, that's where among you know all the projects that he does, that's one of them where you get to hear him do more adventurous bass playing right oh that's really nice to hear that yeah because i i definitely do all the vocal arranging and the keyboard stuff but i don't i don't do i i you used to, to write some to bass parts but yeah i'm just sort of like well let's try out some stuff and then so drums and bass i don't certainly kevin i could imagine you don't need to tell him what to do he's he yeah. loves that he loves figuring that out yeah for sure and i wouldn't know anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no so big big props to jeff he's he's always been a huge inspiration for me i've always been inspired by the people who are not like a generation or two older than me obviously i'm inspired by them but like people who are two steps ahead of me and who will always be two steps ahead of me those are the kind of people that um have really kind of helped me get get somewhere and figure out what i want to do because i can it, they feel closer to me right and i can kind of see what they're doing and really get to understand a little bit Mm hmm. yeah 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 for sure i find a lot of like i get a lot of inspiration from my peers who are just yeah doing incredible incredible work like even i just think there's just so much talent here in vancouver 
I'm so thankful when people stick around, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or come back. Or come know? back. I think about Eli Davidovici and Millie Hong, right? Like they're still coming back off and playing bass and drums in the Vancouver jazz community every year. And they were huge yeah. inspirations to me being always two, two or three steps ahead of me. And they haven't been living here for a little bit, but they've been coming back yeah. often. So appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. It's nice to see also them building relationships with other musicians in Montreal that I, you know, know in different scenes. So it's like, oh, there is this, you know, that's the thing. Like the community, if we were closer, like it would be so epic. Like if, if Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver were like much closer, oh. you could, it would just be incredible. Like not, obviously not physically closer because we just can't, but you're talking about just or socially. Or even just physically closer, like so that we there was a more ability for people to work together it would just be it would be unreal yeah but i mean because we can't move the earth it's like if we can be socially closer then yeah yeah that's something to really aim for right yeah, yeah exactly i think that's a big one so i don't really know how that's to be done it's something that i enjoy thinking about because like i i have a music website right that it's hyper local i only cover canadian releases only only i'll never i'll never bother to accept something else because it's just not the kind of audience that i've got mm -hmm. it's not the one i'm serving right now and it's not the one i'm going to try and grow mm -hmm. so i know i'm always covering canadian releases i know i'm always trying to do as much vancouver specifically as possible i'm always trying to do as much jazz as possible you know so uh but then what do i pick that isn't in that that is sympathetic to that and that you know helps out uh the people here by by crossing them over into something else and that you know the audience that i have will actually be helpful to those people right it's, it's an equation that i always have to think about so how do you get the city? How do you cross the cities more? How do you get them to be socially closer? Well, maybe people who move from here to Toronto and Montreal, like Eli and Mealy, they're going to help us out just in the course of what they do. So there's that. But I mean, I wish I knew like who all the people were who were trying to do rhythm changes in Toronto or in Montreal. And like if I if I was talking to them regularly and, you know, if if that if I found whoever was trying to do what I'm trying to do here there and then we cross that over i think i think that would be really cool i haven't really found those people yet and and the people who are more established than me because i've only been at it for a couple of years uh i just haven't crossed paths with them yet so i hope i forget to do that someday i hope i get to cross over with kind of my media peers in the small indie media thing and who are in those other cities yeah it's i mean i wonder if there are like conferences or things like that for for the, the kind of <laughs> events like i i feel like there is there is like funding for um relationship building in the in in music across canada because i think this has been you know acknowledged in some of the funding bodies that yeah going from place to place is really hard it's, it's such just, a classic issue right and that's yeah. why the jazz fests are a cartel right like that's because that's the only way you're going to be able to bring people through canada and and let them play all the festivals. They I have never to heard run it that, that way. description. That's really funny. Um, <laughs> well, they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know I, what? It could have a negative connotation. I don't really mean it as a negative connotation. I just don't know. Well, but it yeah, seems you the have most to, accurate word. Yeah, you're yeah. either in it or you're not. And it's like the the only really successful Canadian tour we did was because we got a few jazz fest gigs. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, now we can do this. Um, yeah, without that, I don't know. But yeah. yeah, and with the festivals, how they're going these days, it just seems like, yeah, that's a a dying animal. Yeah, yeah, or at least there's consolidation, right? Like there's a lot of people who try it and uh, 
even in pop right like there's things like squamish and pemberton music festivals yeah. and skookum festivals that have come and gone right so there's there's a lot of attempts but there yeah, what is is it just like too much overhead and well i mean it's it's a tough business for sure there's there's a lot of competition there's a lot of people who are trying to do festivals it's it's a pretty desirable thing to try and run like desirable enough that people can rope in volunteers to help them produce their festivals all the time right like that's 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 how the vancouver folk fest yeah they had their controversy so far this year and they're it looks like they're making some good progress so whereas it looked like they were going to dissolve they're they're trying to figure things out in their own way but like for 45 years the vancouver folk music festival didn't have pretty much any corporate sponsorship like that's unbelievable if you compare that to you know we have the du maurier jazz festival and it turns into the td there's always been like major Mm. corporate sponsors in the jazz festival but the folk fest was so committed on a certain kind of vision of that that they made it for they made it almost to the finish line like in the bad sense like they almost crashed because they've been driving for 45 years without any Mm -hmm. corporate sponsorship that's how desirable it is to like there's never been a td vancouver folk music festival it's (laughs) never been a corporation in that title right that was obviously a core value for them Mm -hmm. so people have non-financial values that they're bringing to the table when they're putting up these festivals and that's really important to them and frankly that just makes it harder right like when when chips are down that that makes it really hard Mm -hmm. and then those so i don't envy that as somebody who's played at a decent number of festivals that i've been lucky enough to to play at i don't envy them at all and i've i've been so happy with how well they've treated us this i know Mm -hmm. it must just be organized chaos behind the scenes like so many things are so i don't know what to say yeah (laughs) a good healthy amount of chaos I'm actually just learning that the, with a, with our seven and a bit month old is like oh. oh yeah chaos chaos is just a state of being. There's no pure demonstration of it than that, right? Yeah, you just sort of deal with it. Yeah, learn to let go. As a, a fairly neurotic person that I am, <laughs> learn to let go. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I mean, and yeah, people talk about their albums like they're their babies but they have no idea right (laughs) (laughs) there's a bit of struggle that goes into that yeah (laughs) i mean it's 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 equally it's very fun i would not say it's equally fun i think uh fun in different ways right in their own ways (laughs) yeah yeah oh that's that's a whole fascinating other if we had a two or three hour podcast i would want to hear all about what you've learned from there and it's a more personal thing too so we could we could let that save that one for for another time but Mm -hmm. uh uh, we've we've talked about so many interesting things like around the time we've spent in this music world not just specifically about you know the music of your album which i enjoy like live and in person and it's now this latest project is is such a cool collection of what only a visitor does and it's out there for everybody to find right i'm trying to think of what some of my other favorite tracks are now trying to come back to that because obviously i am at ease we talked about how that's kind of a heavier one right mm-hmm. um i don't know what would be some of my other favorite tracks fraud of finery i guess that was a single mm-hmm. right yeah yeah that was a pan that was a pandemic song for sure yeah um and I had a lot of fun making the music video for that with uh, Justine Chambers, who's a local dance artist um, and just like such a brilliant artist. Um, and Joe Hirabayashi, who actually mixed. He's like the kind of the producer, the engineer kind of sort of thing, right? Yeah. And like filmed two of our music videos. <laughs> He's, yeah, he definitely worked a lot for Only a Visitor this cycle. <laughs> yeah. And he did actually do our lines record too, like in 2017, that one. So 
Yeah, I work with him a lot. Maybe this is kind of a weird question, but like now that you've done three of them and you're talking about the the challenges that we that we face kind of thing here, like do you feel like there is an impetus to go and do a fourth album or do you feel like there are alternative ways to to go about it now? Like maybe, you know, you you made this music video, you know what what the experience of making a music video is like, of what touring is like, of maybe like releasing song by song. Like, do you think about that? Do you, do you think about a, a potential fourth album to the extent that you do think about it as like a big kind of mountain to climb that, that might be kind of hard? Or like, how do you think about where to take it from here? If you like yeah. step outside of the box and you're like, well, if we don't just get ourselves to do the same old thing or to do the way that we're used to, like, is there something else that we could do? What oh, do you think about that? That's like the million dollar question. Totally. I mean, actually, we we do have an EP as well. So this is actually our, f- hold on. We have Tower Temporary lines. Wait, I this guess is that's our... the thing is the Tower Temporaries. Are you going to consider that an EP or an album? I guess I'm kind of calling it an album. Oh, that this is our fourth record, our fourth recording. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is, and but okay. To answer your question, though, actually, you know, I, I think before 2020, I was really excited about expanding on band on a stage. And so we did a bunch of collaborative projects. We did a show with Mind of a Snail, Shadow Puppetry Company. Uh, we did a project with the Kingsgate Choir. Um, and it kind of culminated in um, Double Happiness, which was in which ran in the fall. Um which was a remount of a show that got locked down in 2020, um, which was inspired by some of the material that you see uh, in the Technicolor Education record. So it was like, it became like a theatrical endeavor. Like it was, it was not a musical, (laughs) but it was like a a performance piece, a larger scale collaboration with my friend, Nancy Tam. So that was like, that was sort of the answer to that question was like, what do we do now? I want to do something different. Um, and, and now I'm kind of like, I don't know anymore because also because I, I don't know what the future of the band is. Like, like if I suddenly was like, oh, I'm super inspired to like write way more songs for only a visitor, then I would just continue and, and, you know, try to find a creative way to work work on it all at this point i'm sort of in this like post-release nebula where i'm just like okay <laughs> you know these songs are still fresh to the world even though to me they're like over a year old because we actually recorded them in 2021 yeah um and so i'm still sort of just like thinking about that and t- and touring this record but I, in terms of what comes after yeah, I'm always kind of thinking about and hunting for a way to do it differently. Yeah. Cause, and yeah. what about Mint? Like, are they are they a partner in helping you do that? Like, do you, do you um, think you'll continue working with them? Well, I mean, obviously that's up to you to decide. But like, did you come into this with the expectation that now you're going to work with them ongoing? Or did, or did you come together for this album? Um, I think we came together for this album, but I, I don't know. Well, I don't know how they're feeling. Uh, in general, I, they they have been so supportive. So I feel I feel like I love working with them. Yeah, and I more than happily work with them going forward. Um, um, and it's just really such a I feel so grateful to have them supporting this project. Like we never did vinyl. Like the, the fact that I was able to do vinyl because they they made the vinyl. Yeah, was just like so amazing. Um, 
So, yeah, I'm not really sure. Like, I think the music will dictate what happens next. Like, what I decide to do musically will shape how the approach changes. Yeah. To say nothing of now, within the past year, you've become a mother too. And so you got to figure all that out too, right? Like, I mean, there's, of course, you're not going to be in a rush to figure out what family of course you have to think. <laughs> of course, you have to think about it. Yeah. 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 And I think, like, I mean, what will the next record be arranging wise? Like, do I want to have like part of me um, is like, oh, it'd be really cool to like write a whole bunch of songs as only a visitor for like more voices and like organ maybe and like do like this sort of really weird kind of explosion of what only a visitor can be Um, or shrink it down and be like well all that i said about not playing solo is like out the window like uh-huh. here's this like really stripped down like solo record like it, the possibilities are endless would you go full bonnie Vare and just multi-track yourself or like <laughs> have that sound even if it's with your three singers oh i don't know i i mean the thing is like and i'm always i'm reminded of this every time i rehearse with with the band is like yeah it this band is this band like of course um these people are not replaceable so it's just uh yeah there's a lot of a lot of questions i think yeah like i said like whatever sort of comes out creatively will dictate what happens i think yeah yeah that's a that's a great way to sum it up um i have an off the wall kind of question thank you for like bringing a lot of like energy and and opinion and passion to the table on this that really hits me too i i appreciate all these things that you're talking about with with this sort of thing um if this falls totally flat i could even just junk it at the end of this episode but i almost (laughs) want to ask you about a particular person who had a big impact in the vancouver jazz community i never got to meet or work with because i'm a little bit too young um uh who's still with us like in in the living sense to be clear but like who's not uh in in the position that that she had such an impact in anymore and a lot of your peers have have uh stories about her and and what was brought to the table there that i'm just trying to learn about one by one because i'm kind of coming in after the fact mm-hmm. who You're was rainbow. rainbow robert yeah okay uh so i guess rainbow roberts used to run the the jazz fest here such an amazing person just so so stoked about really good music and and so so fun to hang out with at the show and after the show like (laughs) like just just a lovely lovely human um and very supportive like like i was saying how we had our um most successful canadian tour was like because we had these anchor festival gigs um it was really because uh cole schmidt and I met for coffee and I just sort of picked his brain. Like, I was like, how do you make a sustainable project work? And he was like, it's all about relationships. Like you just have to build relationships and just like what you're saying about going to Nanaimo and like meeting people and like, uh, you never know, right. You never know where it's going to lead. And I was like, cool. Yeah. Cause like, you know, only a visitor I'd like to, I'd like to take it somewhere. Right. And so, and I think, uh, I think he just sort of, he worked at coastal, uh, at the he still does still and does so he mentioned it to rainbow like uh, and i think you know how the jazz festival the cartel they sit down and they have their big skype call about who they're gonna book this year right 
So they were having some tech difficulties at this big meeting with all of them. And Rainbow sent one of our videos around was like, here, why don't in the meantime, why don't you just watch this video? Because it was the day after like I'd met for coffee with Cole and he just mentioned it to Rain. Like it was all just all these little so and so mentioned this and like just offhanded kind of things. And then there you go. We have our like we have our festivals and um and we do this amazing tour. And it was just like because I met Cole for coffee and because Rainbow was like stoked, you know, and like I just I yeah, that's like a I feel like a really good example of like of how she um, operated and was just like there to support everyone. And she wouldn't even just like, I'm just going to run the festival and then see you later. She like partied with all the artists, you know, like it was great. <laughs> <laughs> that's important, right? Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's a really nice place to wrap because it brings together a bunch of the stuff that we discussed. So mm-hmm. go listen to Only a Visitor. You better check that out. I enjoyed it. Robin, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you enjoyed it, become a member for free today at rhythmchanges.ca. You'll get the free weekly article from me every Tuesday morning featuring great artist, event, or recording to enjoy and share. Become a member for free today at rhythmchanges.ca. Come join us. Thank you for listening once again, and I will catch you next time on the Rhythm Changes podcast.